Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I am discussing manipulation and discernment in coaching and therapy with my soul care coach, Crystal Catalina. Welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you today. Hello, hello. It's great to meet with you again. I'm excited to have you to talk about this really deep conversation. We've been talking about having you on the show more. You are working with me and under me as a soul care coach. And manipulation is a big part of what our population is learning how to heal and grow out from underneath if we grew up in dysfunctional family systems. So this, I think, is a really big topic. I think it's a scary topic for coaches to acknowledge, for therapists to acknowledge. I think manipulation is probably the main problem in the bigger, greater world right now. And it's often the thing that is going on around us as highly sensitive people, but that doesn't really get acknowledged as the main problem. We talk about everything around the manipulation, but we don't really name manipulation as the problem. And there are fine lines between between manipulation and salesmanship as an entrepreneur. They're fine, just like there are fine lines between manipulation and salesmanship in politics, you know, there there's and marketing, internet algorithms. So we're kind of surrounded by this. So I want to start today by you being able to talk a bit about your story because you have a very deep story about coaching and manipulation, how it can go sideways. So where do you want to start? Yeah. um, You know, I got to admit when we landed on this topic, it was a mixture of excitement and also fear and anxiety and just like jitters and it, I mean, it's a triggering topic for me. While at the same time, I felt this calling to be courageous and stand up and talk about it because I don't think enough people are talking about this. Well, it's scary. I think most people avoid it 
I know I've avoided it since the beginning of my career as a counselor. I've done what behind the scenes I would call corrective counseling or corrective coaching, which means I help people sort of open up to the process of working with somebody like me again after they've been used or abused or manipulated or boundaries have been overstepped. Um, I've worked with people who were working with therapists or coaches who were experiencing their own psychotic break while they were still trying to help people. I mean, there's some damage done and people are rightfully so needing to be cautious and savvy when we're working with people with our intimacy. This is different than us going to a mechanic and getting our car fix. Like who cares what the personality is of the guy who fixes my car, right? Like hopefully they're a nice person and I'm choosing a small business that I really want to support in the world. But if that person is a manipulative asshole, like, and my car is fixed, I kind of don't care. Right. We're trained to be, uh, you know, suspicious of mechanics. (laughs) Well, I grew up with them, so I might have an affinity for mechanics feeling trustworthy to me, but you know, it, like that's not in our intimate world. Like, yes, our car is important, but in in these in these healing spaces where we are really taking a massive emotional risk, and for people that are already emotionally wounded, that's a big risk. And, and part of the scariness of this for me, as just as a human being on the planet, is having the understanding that the human condition works this way. I've worked this way. I know you've worked this way too, that when we've been around manipulative types and a lot of manipulative people are clueless that they're manipulating. It's just how they roll. Like there's certainly people who know that they're manipulating and are intentionally screwing with other people that that's out there. And that's big. But I'd say for the most part, most people have no idea. They think they're being a good person. They think they're being a good parent. They think they're trying really hard. They think they're supposed to be jealous and controlling if they really love somebody. I mean, there's a lot of twisted belief out there that makes people clueless, ignorant, unaware that they are highly manipulative people. So a lot of us have soaked that up or or experienced that. And when we have to go out in the world our psychology really draws us towards what we know, not towards what's naturally good for us. What what, what a trick, (laughs) right? That we have to figure out how to sort out. So when we have been sort of steeped in manipulation and we go out into the world and there are coaches and therapists out there, particularly because of the internet now in ways that could never be before, that are very engaging, that are very charming, that are using marketing psychology and salesmanship that we've been figuring out since the 40s and 50s. Yes. Okay. That's a big giant force when you're wounded moving through the world. And so I'm hoping this episode helps our listeners learn more about how we work and what is behind our intentionality about what we do and why we don't do certain things and why we do certain things but also helps them go forth into the world with some permission to be savvy. You know, sometimes as highly sensitive people, we walk forward like with these big, giant, open hearts. Hello. Hi. Nice to meet you. We project all this good intention. We hope for good intention and then we get squashed. And so there's really a balance there as highly sensitive people that we need to learn how to walk the world grounded, not hypervigilant, but with some permission to be savvy, to be discerning. 
So what's happened to you in this realm? Because I know for me, since I was a kid, I have been a therapist who just didn't know what they were doing or who kind of wanted me to be dependent on them. Ooh, yes. What's been your experience? Uh, my, well, my very first therapist uh, was just, I don't know if she, I don't know if she was experienced or not. Um, but she was really encouraging me to stay with my abusive partner at the time. So I think that was really my first experience of therapy and it wasn't a good experience. Uh, and so I didn't stay with her long. Luckily, the next therapist I had was great. <laughs> and I stayed for a really long time. It, in regard to the coaching space, um, I found coaches to help me with my physical health because I'd always been really tapped into my spiritual health. Um, I had done the work in regard to my mental health and even become a mental health professional myself but I had never learned the tools and techniques in regard to my, my physical, taking care of my physical body, my physical temple. And so I hired some coaches who really did help in that aspect so much. So I had so much success that they actually invited me to work for them. And at the time, it sounded wonderful. It sounded like a way for me to get out of the therapy space that was not bringing me as much fulfillment as I thought it would when I went for it, working at the VA hospital. Uh, so I left the VA and I started working for these coaches. And really quickly things started taking a turn as I started seeing what they were really about and motivated by versus as a client, what was told to me they were motivated by. So you started seeing hypocrisy? Yes. And I can see your face. You're making an ick face. <laughs> <laughs> they were starting to just feel icky. Was that kind of your first, what was your first inkling that something was off? Um, my first inkling was just seeing that what they were teaching wasn't really what they were doing. It wasn't what they were following in real life. So that's sort of the the maybe number one catching of hypocrisy that we can do for ourselves. It's very, very simple, but sometimes we don't let it be simple. If people practice what they preach, it's really evident and you feel that. And nobody practices it perfectly or near perfectly. Sure. But we want to feel like a dedication and, and an honesty about what's coming out of people's faces, what's coming out of their voices, their words, and what you're seeing them put effort and intention into behind the scenes. Yes. Yes. I really started noticing like almost like an emotion, like an unwillingness to look at 
their own emotional reactions to things and almost like a, like a defensiveness. That's a lack of personal responsibility. And to me, that is one of the number one things we're looking for in people, personal responsibility. Because if, if someone doesn't have personal responsibility, if I don't have personal responsibility, then I can't show up and own my part. And that really is a sign that the ego shows up and points outward. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault when something goes wrong. And sometimes it damn well is somebody else's fault. <laughs> That's, it's not always 100% on us. But if you don't see somebody really having the ability to go, oops, that was me, or maybe that's my stuff today, or I was in a really bad mood, or you caught me at a grumpy moment, or I've been having a real hard time like living my principles this last week. If you can't sort of hear and sense that somebody is really in the nitty gritty of, of doing their own work on themselves, then that's a, if it's not a red flag, it certainly is a pink flag and a potentially red flag of them maybe lacking some integrity about their own work. Yes. So you started seeing that and sensing that. Yeah. And, you know, once I got hired, it, you know, like the, the role shifted, of course. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned to them, I was like, you know, I think I would like to hire some more coaches that, you know, cause I want to keep bettering myself. And that defensiveness came up. Well, that's our job. And I'm like, okay, but. So that's a bit of a possessiveness over you, huh? That's what it felt like. Yes. Over all of my time, all of my resources, almost, yeah, like an ownership. So manipulative people tend to have control issues. Dysfunctional people tend to have control issues. People who don't have personal responsibility wind up wanting to control others. So how did you play that? How did you handle that? It took me a good year to clear the fog for sure. Um, Because through this process of my own journey where prior to hiring them, I had felt so lost. I had tried so many things before. It's like, you know, loyalty was gained because they helped me unlock a piece of myself that I hadn't figured out how to do before on my own. Did you feel like you owed them? (sighs) Maybe. Did they play on you owing them? I feel like there was just this constant dangling carrot. <laughs> okay. I was just like, oh, if you just, you know, oh, if you just do this, do this. And then the 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 carrot just kept moving. The marker kept moving. So and promises. promises were made that didn't, that weren't followed through on. So fulfillment mm-hmm. is another sort of hypocrisy or a pink flag. There's certainly reasons why we might not be able to follow through or a plan might not come to fruition the way we originally intended. But is there genuine effort towards delivering that carrot versus dangling that carrot? Is that what we're saying? 
Yes. It's, it's kind of like that grooming process, right? Of, you know, oh, let me drop a few breadcrumbs so that you keep showing up. Uh, but the, <laughs> the loaf of bread is never delivered. <laughs> and you get to have some full meals. Yeah. I mean, maybe here and there. Yes. Yes. You know, yeah. there, there were certainly some perks, which is the cycle of abuse in and of itself. Right. If, if there weren't any good times, then the person wouldn't stick around at all. Only five months later, I'm still piecing things together in my mind of how I allowed things to go for so long without speaking up or leaving, (laughs) doing something about it. I think so many of us as sensitive people wait to leave situations or wait to even speak up for ourselves fully in situations we wait until it's so bad. Like we want something really glaring. You know, it's like if, if a person smacks us across the face, it's a real glaring moment. It's like, all right, something is changing now. Now that this big, bad, terrible thing, now that this big, giant, fat line was crossed, <laughs> now I'm going to do something. And I find that with people with big hearts and a lot of hope for just goodness in the world, we will often subdue ourselves. We deny our own intuition because that icky uncomfortableness of something's not right here. It means something. It really does. But we've spent so much time and energy in our lives pushing it down or the people pleaser going, no, nope, this is too little. This is too little. It's not a big giant thing. A lot of manipulation works by this death by a thousand cuts. Mm. It's, it's a thousand little bitty things that aren't just aren't quite right, that don't quite align with what we want or what we were told or what's really happening. Something is off and something is off and something is off. So for most people, it starts to make them feel crazy because when we say these things out loud, like they dangled the carrot. And, and look at all the success I had. Yes. And look at all the success so many other people are having. <laughs> Aren't we supposed to look on the bright side? Aren't we supposed to not dwell in all the things that are going wrong? So we wind up really minimizing our own intuitive knowing to just not rock the boat and holding out this eternal hope that I'll finally get my hands on that carrot if I just go another couple steps. Yes. So what jogged you out of it? What turned this tide for you? What pushed you over the edge? There was a major event. Ah, do you want to talk about what it was? Uh, there was a high ticket, a high dollar ticket event being promoted. Okay. And we were to earn our space, or we were to earn our spot as team members on at that event. That sounds and reasonable. We have to earn a lot in life. So certainly. Okay. Certainly. <laughs> um, and I 
I had a hard time sell, promoting that event because um, because the value seemed to be low as compared to the rate of the actual long-term coaching that I felt was truly more beneficial for the client in the long run. Is that code for, it felt like a smarmy price? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, And so uh, back to the carrot dangling, the year prior, when I was still living in Texas, it was told to me, I can't wait to spend New Year's with you next year because it was already being in discussion that I was working on manifesting moving from Texas to where they lived in Florida. Not required, but just wanted to be closer to them. And so... Well, you're an all-in type person. Like if you're going to do something, you're going to kind of do it. Is that fair for me to say about you? I am. Yes. Okay. So you you were <laughs> yes. going to do this. You went all I was in. Do this thing. Uproot your life. Go to this new life. Coach people. Celebrate your successes and pay it forward and make a living, huh? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, you know, fast forward a year later, I have moved to the state in which this event is going to be. Um, longest standing coach highest number of sales for the year overall. Um, you were that you didn't meet that? that mark. Correct. Ah. Um, and really like I had truly made peace with it, you know, like I've always been fine doing my little magical thing on new year's like new year's is kind of my favorite holiday because it just the symbolism of it it's just like refreshed renew like nothing really changes but i just love new year's mm-hmm. it feels <laughs> like a refresh yeah, yeah it does it does that and birthdays like you know so i had really made peace with it but when as we got closer to the date and the event the day prior to the big event, we had a little mini event that I was invited to because I had pr- produced enough sales for that. So my perspective shifted around me not going to this event when I saw the looks on my clients' faces that I wasn't going to be there the next day. They're like, what? I, I bought this event so I could be with you, coach. Like, what? You know, like there was just, why wouldn't all the coaches on the team be at this event? Okay. Right. Right. And so I brought it up in conversation and was told I was acting entitled. And that word, I think really crushed me 
What did it mean to you? Why, why was it such a crushing word? Um, I really, I really sat back and reflected on this before I decided to resign. Um, because I was like, was I acting entitled? You know, like, (laughs) um, but it just felt like they were treating me like I was some bratty kid when I had thrown so much time and energy into their business. And I had done it for me too, you know, but just really like the, the culture of this company is really to just completely surrender your entire life to it. And there is no weekends. Um, It's, you know, Monday through Saturday. Initially, when I started, it was Monday through Sunday. I mean, it was seven days a week. Well, I think that's part of what made it go from coaching to cultish. Anything that asks for your everything is a red flag. And, And I know that as a coach in my work, people are often shocked when I say things like, you know what? Don't think about this session today. Like what you did in this hour together was enough. Go do other things. Go live. No, I don't want you journaling about this 57 pages till I see you again. I want you to go outside and blow bubbles. (laughs) I want you to go hug people that you love. I want you to not listen to self-help podcasts for a while. The things that we do to heal and better our lives should better our lives, not consume them. Now there's a fine line there between being dedicated to hard work. Yes. And there are certainly times when I ask people to lean in, to not run away from something that's hard, that they're kind of on the precipice of bursting out to the other side of of some pain if they just keep moving through. But anyone who's giving the message that that there should constantly, constantly be over-dedication, I would say is definitely a pink, if not a red flag. There's a lot of projection in manipulative people. And I think that's why we get so smacked back by it. I know when I've stood up for myself with similar manipulative power differentials as like a coach or a boss that's over me, that is an expert above and beyond me that I'm going to for their mentorship, that if they had an ego problem that I didn't understand at the time, and I asked for something that was for me or voiced a concern that I had that didn't fit total and complete comfort for them, I was accused of being entitled or having an attitude, or it was my old trauma coming up. And I'm really good at owning when my old trauma is coming up. But when you're highly aware of not being that person, not being the person that dumps their trauma on someone and they show up and push that button by saying, Nikki, this is your trauma. Looking back at those moments for me, I realized in the moment, I didn't understand that that was projection, that really that was their trauma. That was their ego problem. And when I hear you share that, I just hear projection. I hear they were entitled. They were charging a whole lot for a very showy event. 
I don't know how much learning happens on those types of events or growth. And I'm all for celebratory moments too. I have lots of sessions, lots of moments with people where we're not working on shit and we're just celebrating and that's valuable. But to pay a lot of money to just hang out and something that looks bougie, that's just not my vibe. It's not my thing. It feels fake. It feels phony. feels surface level. Yeah. So I think you got projected on. And yes, yes, I, uh, I agree with that. And I've also done a lot of reflection now that I am out of that fog and out of that space. And I recognize that it's due to my own trauma that I was even attracted to being in that space in the first place. Their relationship, their business model, um, a lot about them remind me of my own parents. And so that's been a whole another layer of this onion for me because I've been in abusive romantic relationships, but this was a whole nother realm of being abused within a corporate world. I think it's a mind blowing thing to have our family system dynamics play out in any kind of work dynamic. Yes. And it's shocking to most highly sensitive people and childhood trauma survivors that most of us experience that. And that starts to feel real woo woo to a lot of people. Cause how the hell do we all wind up in work environments, recreating our family system where we're often scapegoated, highly sensitive people get laid off and fired more than other people. Why we are the squeaky damn wheel y'all. We go into situations like, I'm going to make this better, right? Everybody here wants this to be more efficient and happier and better. We're maximizers in that way. And we are very shocked and often very hurt to not have that received very well, to not have that celebrated because ego problems, which are abundant in this world, don't receive that well. They're like, excuse me, this is my thing. I don't, why are you pointing out? What could be better, which tells my narcissistic part that I'm not perfect. Another form of the hypocrisy, because it was constantly um, asked for, like constructive feedback. But when you gave it, it was a problem. (laughs) Those traps set, because I think most people listening to this right now will have had the experience of someone saying that you can tell me no. You can disagree with me. Give me feedback. And then you do. And you get slammed. The energy shifts. That person goes cold. You feel this. How dare you? Yes. Shame, shame on you. I mean, I asked you the question and then you just showed up and answered it. Now I'm going to. Sh- and we are so discombobulated. I think in those moments about what is happening here, because we certainly get triggered. Our fight or flight gets triggered if someone is not having ownership because whether they realize it or not, they're messing with our heads. They're playing with emotional boundaries. And in that moment, it is so freaking confusing. So confusing. 
That's part of why we tend to need each other. We need other healthy people to help us sort of find our way. It is a very discombobulating dynamic. I don't care how much education you have. And I hope that y'all listening can gather that. Crystal and I have master's degrees in mental health. And we are basically saying today, it is incredibly tricky. Even when you understand the human condition, even when you have worked through the bulk of your childhood trauma, though we will be working through it always, manipulative people are good at it. (laughs) They are experts at not taking responsibility and blaming other people. And who's going to surround them and put up with them if not people with really big hearts who tend to take on too much and overfunction as recovering codependents? So this is a very big part of sort of this human relatability puzzle of how we attract each other and how we relate. So if you're in a situation right this very moment or two months ago or five years ago or 20 years ago where you still feel affected by being manipulated, what I want to offer you is that if you let go of beating yourself up and all of us do it still to this day, if somebody kind of gets two or three or four or five steps down the road with pulling one over on me, there's no avoiding that moment of me having with myself like, damn it, why didn't I see it? I should know better. And that's where we should on ourselves. Yep. It's where we have too much ownership because people that are good at manipulating are going to be good at manipulating. So instead of being down on ourselves for having kind of gotten ensnared, we do better in the resiliency department if we can start looking at those moments and going, this is going to teach me more about the human condition. What did I fall for? When did I deny my gut? And that's why these moments, when we're not in the middle of them, they actually are gifts. They're opportunities that teach us, and we get stronger every single time we encounter this. What are your strengths, do you think, that you are seeing? I know you, you worked with these coaches to work on your physical strength. That happened for sure. It's <laughs> what, what are the emotional strength strengthenings, if you will? that you're seeing as you move through and out of this and, and get to, to working in a way that is more resonant with your spirit and your integrity. Yes. Yeah. It your really, sort of anti-manipulation commitment in the world. Through this experience, it's really helped to crystallize and clarify my own values and ethics and um, understand what I stand for, both as a mental health professional and as a coach. And, you know, there's, there's elements of manipulation and abuse in both of those spheres and spaces. And being able to stand proud in calling myself you know, identifying with both of these labels for myself. And it just really helps me be a better professional. Um, It also helps me show up in the world better. And knowing that I am strong and sensitive 
I am kind of this embodiment of both divine masculine and divine feminine, or what in therapy we might call, you know, wise minds, <laughs> you know, or, you know, like this, this beautiful space in the in-between. I'm comfortable with being in the gray, you know, <laughs> like it's not all black and white. And I'm grateful for that. What did you learn that you don't want to do as a coach? These tactics, like utilizing these tactics just to create, just to generate numbers. Like I really am all about quality, not quantity. Because when you have a roster of so many clients that you aren't even able to follow through for them in a way and support them in a way that they truly need and deserve, then what's the point? Um, I also am not signing people onto these huge risky commitments. I let them show up as they feel called. And if other priorities or commitments arise, then that's okay. I don't believe in shaming them. And I don't believe in telling them that you will fail without me. I mean, this is like a huge thing in the coaching space right now. Would you like to relax or fall asleep? while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. And that's a very dangerous thing for recovering people pleasers and codependents. Um, this is a big part of why I chose to invite you to work together because we align on this idea that we are helping people become their own authority figures. Yes. That they get to be empowered and that my role, our role is to help lift people up into their strongest selves not worship me. And right. that only came into focus for me when my assistant said to me about six months ago, just out of the blue, you just don't want to be worshiped. And it just hit me in this intuitive way. And I went, no, I don't. It's the last thing that I want. She said, that's what a lot of these other kind of influencer types are, are wanting. Yes. And in the healing space, that's so icky. So that, that's another thing that just never gets said out loud to us. And to really suss that out, not just with people that we're paying, but people in our worlds. 
we all like to be celebrated sometimes. We all like an, an add a girl, add a boy. We like to be recognized, acknowledged. But at some point, that goes into a desire for worship. And I'm not sure if that evolves over time. I think people have to be really grounded, especially these days, because attention is so abundant. Mm -hmm. And if you're not really grounded in your principles, it's very easy to have the ego take attention and turn it very, very icky and very worshipful. We're also kind of a society that I think is starving for intimate connection. I do a lot of attachment work and I'm not saying this to to shame any parent out there, but it's new for the human condition to put infants into daycare at six weeks old. It it does something to our attachment. And when that's normalized in our society, I, I think we are decades into a hunger for connection. When you add that little bitty ones are being sort of soothed with a screen in their face instead of an arm around them, instead of being read a book, we're really missing some real fundamental elements of human connection. Yeah, And there are things that we have to do to move this modern life forward. And there are things we have to make peace with that are just imperfect and we don't have full control over. But if we don't understand these concepts, we don't know how to compensate in ways that provide that kind of connection. I think this is part of what's made the coaching industry explode. Different than therapy, there was this real push five and 10 years ago about coaches being instant experts, a phrase that makes my skin crawl. Nobody is an instant expert in shit. It's not possible. And so that's a manipulation out of the gate to position as an instant expert. Yeah. So there's a lot that we need to do to take care of ourselves, to give ourselves permission. So many sensitive people are scared that they're in a dysfunctional judgment with other people instead of learning how to allow themselves to be in discernment. And when your gut says, "Mm, something's off here, you might not say something the first time, but you, you hold it, you pay attention, you don't dismiss it. The older we get, this is how I see our lives getting easier if they are to be easier in any way. It's listening to that God, listening to that hard-earned wisdom. I know it's important to both of us that we coach without entanglement. It's why we don't offer big giant packages. You have to spend thousands of dollars before you ever have a session with us or one session, you get a little taste and then you need to drop a whole lot of money. I have a model of one session at a time. Because if something happens in your life, you have to move. A tornado hits your house. Who freaking knows? Life, right? Exactly. Or you just go, I only want to work with you one or two sessions. For me, that's an important freedom. And if I can't encourage people to really leave me cleanly and guilt and shame free, it really bothers me because I know that this life requires us to have to leave a lot of situations and a lot of people. And so I think that's an important part of the work that I offer, whether people realize it or not, as they're working with me, that we need to be able to leave. We need to be able to move on. We all have a different sort of calling with each other. Some of us will be lifelong people in each other's lives. Some of us will just be visitors on the path and it's all okay. 
and nobody needs to be entangled with me. If you want to end your work with me, you get to end it and go. If I want to end my work with you, I get to end it and go. Neither one of us is entangled with the other one. And manipulative types need to be needed Mm. because deep down they don't trust just being wanted. Healthy mentorship is freeing for us. It sends us to the next level. It doesn't hold us down beneath another person. What do you want people to know to make sure we get into this episode as they look for coaching, as they maybe feel sheepish about it, or they've had one of these uncomfortable, icky types of experiences and they're, they're hesitant to try again? Yeah. Gosh, it's this, this thought of discernment is so important. It's important to do your research. And I don't just mean client reviews, you know, find out where this person was educated. Education isn't everything, but it does say something too. It's a piece of the pie. Yes. And yes, a lot of this coaching space is unregulated. And a lot of the coaching terminology or like buzzwords right now are all about mindset. Well, mindset is very different than an education in mental health. Mm -hmm. And especially with the majority of these listeners being highly sensitive people, it's really important that the professional that they seek out is educated and and experienced in mental health specifically. So certainly, you know, do your research, do your homework, certainly read reviews, find out where this professional was educated. And then bottom line number one, When you meet with this individual for the very first time, really practice mindfulness in sitting and just noticing the sensations in your body as you're experiencing their energy. While you're having an energy exchange with the person, don't push off what you're feeling because, oh, those gleaming client reviews. So you're saying what you're feeling is a very important piece to pay attention, to listen to it. Yes. So for me, that's about managing the story in my head versus the feeling in my gut. Because sometimes those things are in opposition. And I've learned the hard way lots of times to pay more attention to my gut than the story in my head. Same. (laughs) When we do that, I think we're leaning into, I know we're leaning into the beauty of this high sensitivity. And when we don't embrace the beauty of this high sensitivity, the gift that it is, the special sensory information it can give us about navigating this very complex, complicated inner and outer life, we're really denying who we are. 
we're denying. It's like you wouldn't drive and cover up your eyes. Why would you hire a coach and cover up what your gut's saying? Oh, absolutely. Same with therapists, same with doctors. We are living through a very kind of kooky healthcare time in this country. Algorithms pushing things, making things look shinier, better than they really are. I think more than ever, we need our gut to navigate this modern life. Yes. Yes. All those like pushy coaching sayings, like, you know, all the sayings, like with great risk comes great reward. (laughs) Like, yeah, risk your whole house mortgage on this coaching program. (laughs) You know, like, I mean, yes, there's truth to the sayings, but they get so twisted. Like, yes, it does require getting uncomfortable in order to make change. Yes, it does. And prioritizing it. And there is truth to you get what you pay for. Absolutely. Yes. Uh huh. So that again, it's like this middle path of not everything is black and white. And there really is this beauty in the dialectics, but you have to be able to discern um, what's, what's through all the smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Substance under the sayings. Like what yes. is the real substance beneath those those buzzwords, those catchy phrases? And if anybody doesn't believe like how much marketing goes into everything that you see online, go back and watch Mad Men. Yeah. What you know, watch how they started like pushing psychology and how wow is it a fine line? I know when I watched that show, I was like, ooh, like is this just straight up manipulation or is it marketing? And same goes with Scientology. It's like, there's a lot of like quality mindset principles in the ick of that. Yes. And that is a warning. I'm glad you use that word Scientology because there are a lot of coaches right now that are attached to Scientology. There are a lot of coaches that are attached to popularized cults that you would know the name of the cult. You'd be able to Google it. And I, I'm here to tell you, there are, there's a lot of cult-like churches. There are a lot of cult-like programs. There are a lot of cult-like recovery centers for every issue under the sun that go from healthiness to cult-like. And so this, this is a very, very important issue. Even our politics have become sort of cult-like. So keep going back to grounding yourself using your gut, practicing the discernment that you're hearing Crystal and I talk about. And I hope by having us kind of share some of our struggles through the coaching world, why we do things like charge one session at a time, why we encourage people to take breaks from the process if they need to, why we encourage strongly no gripping. Crystal mentioned that, but grip is my word. Like no gripping, a healthy healer encourages your exploration with other healers. If you are interested in working with Crystal, you can come to emotionalbadass.com backslash coaching. You can book with her right now. She is open and taking clients. I am on a wait list. And we are committed to integrity in this healing process, to being heart-centered, 
and heart led to empowering you to be able to take care of yourself through all of the manipulation of the world, even the manipulation that we do to ourselves when we don't know any better. Cause when we know better, we can do better and we can be better and we can feel better. Crystal is going to be participating in my boundaries course this year. She will be there. So if you want to learn more about her or book with her now, go to emotionalbadass.com. She's also going to be doing some live streams in our Patreon in addition to the live streams that I do. So look for that. I want to thank you for being open and for working with me and with people that listen to this show. You have such a big heart and I'm so honored to be able to share not just your heart, but your expertise, your intuitive insight, your ability to care and see the bigger picture of what someone's going through. I have goosebumps. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to do this today. It is equally as important for everyone else on the show to hear as for my own healing. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you know, I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> Light and love y'all. This has been me and Crystal. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets mindful. We will see you right here next time for a brand new episode. Take care. Bye-bye. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to Calm History dot com.